We are live on the air, the Thoughts Inside Our Head podcast. Your host, Kurt Pruitt and Colby Bird. Colby, what's up, man? Wade, LOL. What's up, CCP? Wade, dude. What's new? Dude, well, first of all, um, this is just about the time that I'd, I'd make the popping sound of my, uh, my energy drink. Um, are you out? Which, honestly, I don't drink that much of, but I do save them for the podcast, specifically for the podcast. I feel like it's one of those things that's that's kind of on brand but i went to the gym like two and a half hours ago or something and my pre-workout has like i think it's 350 maybe 400 milligrams of caffeine in it already and i know 100 that if i were to have an energy drink right now with another 100 milligrams of caffeine i would be dancing with the devil and if the jazz were owen eight owen ten then maybe that would be something i'd be okay with but Dude, we're seven and three, so I'm not dancing with the devil. Wild. It's wild. Um, what's your pre-workout called? Is it called like Alpha Lion Anti-Sheep? Lion's not sheep. Uh, what else? Uh, um, no, dude, it is. It's just as sick, to be honest with you. And I am convinced that the more insane the name of the pre-workout. The more insane the, the pre-workout. The, douche, the douchier it sounds, the better it works. And now at this point, I feel like I'm pretty immune to the effects, but it's called Berserk. Um, oh, that's, and that's sick. Not just berserk, but B Z R K. So it's classic. We're not dealing with the vowels here. So um, don't have time yeah. to write the vowels when you're trying to get your set in. You know. I know. I know. It's so true. It's like we're just solely focused on the gains here, and by <laughs> it's, it's addition by subtraction, gains for the muscles and uh, subtraction for the vowels. So math checks out. It, it does check out. So yeah, it was nice. I I just uh, actually just got back from. Denver, our sister city, um, and Why? what were you doing that? Uh, doing some some work stuff. Okay. Had some conferences to attend. Um, nobody really cares the true reason why, but it was actually kind of cool. One of the speakers there was it was three days long. There was like I probably attended fifteen different meetings from economists to brand, um, uh, well, brand ambassadors, I guess. And there was a bunch of like. I picture part of it. It was so basically this is how it is. There's an agenda full of like 45 different types of meetings through three days and you can pick and choose the ones you want to go to. And then in between the meetings, it's literally just like a big convention where a bunch of like tech companies, uh, software companies will try and, you know, promote their products and different mutual fund companies and different this and different that. And and so it kind of reminded me of in the office when Dwight and Michael go to that paper convention. I guess a lot of conventions. Stuff yeah. we all get that episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically that. And uh, so I don't know. It was good. It was fun. Um, I've I haven't been to Denver since like my senior year of high school. I had a baseball thing there, and I forgot that. I mean, they're known for the Rockies and stuff, but you land and you're nowhere yeah. near the mountains. They're so far away. Yep, it's not like Salt Lake. It's like you're in a valley and the mountains are 45 minutes away. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of interesting. Um, uh, it snowed two days ago and, uh, lots of snow, lots of snow in Utah. Um, lots of tears from LeBron last night and, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Keep those tears coming. Um, I know. what's new with you, dude, get that snowpack going. Um, well, I'm one more internal organ down. I got my gallbladder taken out a week from yesterday. <laughs> Feels good. Feels good to eat food without hurting. However, my belly button, every time I sneeze, feels like it's going to pop open 
and Jamie brought a cold in house from preschool and I'm getting it. Like I, I'm trying my best not to sniffle on the podcast on the mic. That's just bad radio, but uh, the sneezes are coming and today's going to be a hell of a ride. That's all I'm going to say. Dude, I, it literally is one thing after another. Um, we, we thought that, that, uh, the gallbladder removal was going to be the end of the road and then it was going to be nothing but happiness from here on out. And of course, a freaking curveball comes your way. Body, well, and you know, bodies have to heal. I didn't think it would be this bad. Like the day, the day I got it out wasn't too bad. Day two and three were pretty freaking rough. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, but it was weird. What's really weird is when I'd get up and move around, it kind of like take the pain away. It was really weird. Like laying there felt okay. Getting up hurt really bad. But then when I started moving around, it like, I don't know if all the tightness and stuff started loosening up or what, but it started feeling a little bit better. So, um, yeah, we're, we're doing okay. We, we're to the point where I can assist Emily again. So she's not two on one, which is crazy. Um, shout out single mom, shout out single parents. I can't believe how you guys do it. Okay. Cool. Enough about us. No one even cares about us. You know what people care about? Dude, tell me, what do we care about? We care about the seven and three Utah jazz sitting in the third seat in the West tank note. What are we talking about? We're taking note. Dude, it's, it's, I, it's insane. So our last podcast, it was right after we played Denver, right? We were one and oh, right. Is, is that correct? Correct. Oh, and you know, going in, going into that game and coming out of it is like, Oh, that's cool. Like that, that might be our only cool win of the season. And, uh, you know, we're probably going to tank, you know, we had, obviously we were optimistic cause we want to be and being pessimistic over an 82 game season really sucks. But we did start with one of the hardest strength of schedules in the entire NBA. Um, and to see that we're seven and three, it, it's honestly, no, I, nobody would have expected it. Not a soul. I mean, aside from maybe the players and we didn't look that good in the preseason. So it's completely out of the blue. Um, the schedule's been hard. I mean, we're seven and three, third in the West. Uh, most other teams have only played eight games. You know, they're six and two, Portland and, and yeah. uh, the Suns and a bunch of others. So not only have we had a harder schedule from a, a competition standpoint, playing against basically only playoff contenders aside from Houston, but we've we've played twice as many games and most of them been on the road. Or not twice as many games, excuse me, a couple more games and most of them been on the road. So compact schedule against really tough teams. It's really impressive. It is super impressive. And... <sighs> Not anything that we expected. Um, I guess we should probably listen to our beat writers when they say they're not tanking, they're not tanking, they're not tanking, because it definitely doesn't seem like we're trying to, right? Well, that's the thing is, I mean, even, I guess, kind of knowing how a lot of, I mean, not knowing, but getting the feel that a lot of professional athletes, like they, they've grown up being the best and, and competing at the highest level all the time and, and wanting to win. And so I always felt like, well, you know, our team is always going to play hard, at least at the get-go. Um, and then as, as, as losses and stress, you know, kind of builds up and, and the negative momentum builds up that eventually maybe we'd stop playing hard and the tank would be in full motion. But I, I mean, these team, these guys are still playing for money and for contracts and for pride. And it's cool that I, I just didn't think that we would have enough talent to, even though we would play hard, we'd still probably lose a lot of games. And that's where I figured the tank would start. But we're playing hard and we're actually pretty darn talented or have a, a, an incredible amount of great chemistry. And right. now we've got W's. Do we have a historically one or even number two guy that most teams have? No, 
but we have five potential number three guys on the team. Like it's crazy, super deep, stacked, right? Dude, way deep. And I mean, from a top end standpoint, I think, I mean, marketing, I, I think we probably say is, is he's probably our, our top end, our most talented and we're, we're a super, super versatile team. And that's, that starts at the top with, um, with marketing. I mean, we look back historically, we had Donovan who could score a lot and Rudy who could defend, but not a lot of anything on the other side of the ball. Right. But marketing kind of does it all. Um, there was a stretch last night, you know, hits a three when the Lakers were making a run, um, hits a three and then immediately gets back on defense and shuts down LeBron. Like that yeah. kind of thing is, is really cool. Yeah. He's probably not a, I mean, and he's playing like a really high level talent right now. And um, it's cool to see him carry that on. But yeah, it's not like we have a superstar by any means, but yeah, one through, I mean, you could say one through eight. I mean, even Beasley who. Yeah. Beasley's a good player. He's, he's probably the eighth, seventh or eighth guy in our rotation. And he averaged 22 points last year for the, or was it 22? Maybe it was two years ago. Um, but he's, you know, high teens, low twenties for the past few years. So yeah. it's like, we've got that capability and we have a willing team that shares the ball. So yeah. it, it's awesome. Willing team that shares the ball plays basketball, probably the way it's designed to, instead of an NBA basketball team with like running through one or two players. And then, you know, you get scrap dinner scraps for the rest or table scraps for the rest. And then a team that plays defense like that goes both ways. Um, so where do you attribute our success? Is it the roster makeup? Is it the players? Is it party combination of all? I mean, it's, it's kind of a lame, <clears throat> lame answer, but I think it's a combination of all. I'd say uh, the first thing is, is versatility. And that comes down to the, the, the player composition that we have um, as well as Will Hardy being willing to like mess around with a bunch of different lineups. And there's, there's kind of general fundamental schemes um, that he runs, but it's, it's really plug and play. And so many players are multi-threat guys. I mean, Kelly Olynyk shoots the three can, you know, get buckets underneath, obviously marketing, um, you know, Vanderbilt all of a sudden, like he, he's never been a great three point shooter. He's never really shot threes. And all of a sudden he's shooting six for 11 on the year, which again, isn't it's, I mean, it's 11 shots, but he's a he splash, he spreads baby. the floor. We can spread the floor so well. And there's a lot of room to work. Lot of room to work. I mean, Clarkson um, has, has turned his game into a multifaceted uh, game as opposed to being just auto buckets, which he still can be, but I mean, he's averaging seven or eight assists this year. Like that's insane. I never thought that that would be something that he would be able to develop into his game. And so versatility and coach Hardy being will, willing to do that. And then the player's willingness to kind of experiment and, and be such willing, uh, you know, pawns i guess in the in the scheme yep clarkson is averaging 17 points five rebounds and five assists but however five assists yes however okay his career assist is like 2.3 so okay. he's doubled he's doubled which is impressive um especially usage rate too right we still seem to have an offense that's not one guy has a crazy high high usage rate i'm sure jordan when he's on the floor probably has the highest um i have not dug into that at all that's just assumptions people um for me, I agree, like, roster makeup's huge, like, but a lot of this, I think, is coming from Will Hardy. Like, last last night, perfect example in this game, there were multiple times when the Lakers started making a run. It was a barn burner. It was 195 at the end of the third quarter. It was crazy. Yeah, it was close. And, I was stressing. 
um, the Lakers would like go on these 10 point runs and Will would call a time. He'd have a lineup in that he never ran all year. All of a sudden, Nas in, right? All of a sudden, he brings in Nah with THT. And like, we've never seen that lineup before. And it stopped the run. It stopped the run. We went on a run. Like, his adjustments in game, I just feel like he's a savant of basketball. Like, he just understands things more than a man his age should. It's, it's crazy. He's a year older than us. Dude, it's, it's nuts. I'm, I'm glad. Big, big shout out to Nah, first of all. Like, things were getting sketchy. Clarkson was in foul trouble. Mike had, I mean, Mike had just come out and he already had played a bunch of minutes. So, and, and you know, Will didn't want to bring him back in. Sexton, in my opinion, Sexton had a great game for most of the game leading up to that point. And then yeah. he started to struggle a little bit. In, he had a bad, in, like, two and a half, three minutes. Yeah, in orchestrating things, we couldn't get a shot to drop, and it just everything was kind of out of sync. And I'm thinking, well, this is this could get ugly, um, especially after having just lost to Dallas. But I think, yeah, Nah came in, uh, immediately drives right to the rim, hits a three, plays great D, and all of a sudden, you know, we're we're inching it back to eight points, ten points, thirteen point lead, and uh, that was that was huge. It seems like there's always somebody that comes in and hits a clutch shot or like makes a clutch play. And it's literally different every single night. And that's, what's fun. I know. And it's, um, it's interesting to me looking back at the last two years. I mean, we, I don't want to get into like the soap opera of it all. Um, but I sent this in a text last night. I do think through that whole situation, Quinn got away with not a lot of blame and maybe looking at it now, it's like, Maybe the coach what you know, the coaching wasn't up to as much snuff as we thought it was through that whole thing. Maybe it wasn't just two disgruntled stars or one disgruntled star or whatever was going on in the background, you know. Maybe part of it was Quinn lost the locker room and losing the same way we did three years in a row, probably, you know, no adjustments were made. Like everyone was on Twitter about how there was no adjustments made, things like that where Will's willing to go in there on game ten of the regular season and make adjustments mid-game, where a lot of coaches in the NBA, it's kind of like, just do our thing, let's get through the regular season, let's get to the all-star break, then we'll start dissecting every single game. But so far, it's worked out for us. So shout out yeah. Will Hardy, shout out um, Brother Danny for doing what he needed to do to give us to this point. Um, the rain clouds seem to at least have has gone away. Um, the, it's fun to watch jazz basketball again, that's the most important thing. Yeah. And, and before I, I actually, I just, I'm curious too. And I think about this, not to belabor the, the past too much, like you said, but thinking, thinking about Quinn and his, whether it's inability to, or lack of willingness to make changes and adjustments to the lineup and scheme. It, I, I kind of think of it like a chicken or the egg situation. Is it one of those things where Quinn, we didn't have the players to to change it up. Like you take Rudy out and then all of a sudden, I mean, it's, it's one, not even take Rudy out, but you're paying Rudy all that money. There's, I feel like it's tough and I'm sure Quinn contributed um, and had it played a role in obviously maintaining Rudy and, you know, Don developed the way he did for a reason and his defensive identity kind of, you know, was, was pretty lackluster for through most of his stint in Utah. And so it's, it's like, was, did Quinn have other options that put us in a better chance to win? Or is it one of those things where Quinn knew exactly what got us there and he was just going to ride that because even though it wasn't ideal, it was better than whatever our other options were because we didn't have as versatile as a team. I don't know the answer. I think it's probably, probably more on him than not. 
because a coach can, you know, make those decisions too. And, and, you know, make, uh, personnel adjustments, but it's, it's, it's interesting. I think it was just tough, man. It was not fun to watch. That's for sure. It's like a relationship coming to an end and you guys were holding on for no reason. And finally someone said, why are we even still here together? Yeah. No, good point, dude. Good point. Um, Every night we knew exactly what we were getting with that other team. And yeah. whether it worked or didn't, who knows? But this night, every night, it's something different. It's, it's a nice wild the ride. Score 20 is freaking Olenek last night scored 18. I don't know where Olenek's 18 came from, but he scored like every night. It's a mystery. You know, generally five guys are going to average close to 20 points and it's who knows who it's going to be this time. So let me ask you this then. Who is the first eighth of the season's MVP for the Utah Jazz? Ah. <sighs> I think you could make an argument. You could honestly make an argument for probably four guys. I think, I think I'm going to go with uh, my, my Finnish countryman and, uh, and go with Markkinen just because his, again, his versatility and his ability to score and defend and, and everything at a super high level. Um, I think he kind of makes everything else work, but I, I, I mean, you could argue that Conley is the keystone to it all. Um, you could argue that, I mean, maybe Clarkson or, you know, who knows, but I think I'd probably give it to Markinen at this point. I agree with you. I know that's lame to do. Um, not only is Markinen scoring, he's rebounding, shooting. I mean, he had the the Dallas game was bad, right? Like his three point shooting that game was bad. Yeah, over four brought yep. that down a little bit. It's still early enough in the season where you have one bad shooting night. It's going to affect your overall. So he's only shooting thirty percent from three, but. Um, High EFG, so overall effective rate is really good, almost up to 60. So, like, the dude is doing what he's doing, and he's doing it effectively. Um, You could also – I think there's a fun argument, too, for Vanderbilt just bringing bringing the, the dog, right? We're a dog pound. Refer to this team as the dog pound, and I think he's the alpha male. I don't like to use the alpha male, but, you know, he's the head honcho. He's the pit bull. He's the or he's the Rottweiler of the group, um, and he brings that energy every day. The only thing we want Vanderbilt to do is not get in foul trouble every night. But other than that, um, he would probably be my pick two Titan tied to second with JC. I mean, you can't you can't throw away what Jordan Clarkson's bringing to the table every night and just kind of being maybe that go to like we need a bucket. He's still that guy. So yeah, no, totally. But, I think yeah, Vanderbilt. I mean. He's so fun to watch, dude. And, and like, it, it just seems like he's loving it out there too. I, I really, I hope, it, it seems like he's having a great time and he absolutely makes winning plays. And and then sometimes like that fifth foul that he got last night made me sick, like just reaching in when it was unnecessary. <laughs> reaching but, in off after a rebound, they're about not even starting a break. He just kind of went in and it's just touchy. Yeah. And and you think like, well, that, that energy in general is kind of what – um what results in and why he's so effective. And so it's like, well, we don't really want to turn that off, but it'd be nice if we could trim it a little bit to, to avoid things like that, to, to, to maximize on his talent, you know, throughout most of the game without being yeah. dealing with foul trouble. But yeah, man, he's, he's sick. It's uh, it's been fun too. Cause I mean, last year I watched a lot of jazz games the year before that, a lot of jazz games. And like when they play these different teams, um, you know, you see, you get a couple minutes of Vanderbilt, you see marking in um, and, but you don't, really develop a huge opinion of them and so going into this team with such a new team it's been kind of fun just like i don't know honestly if, if vanderbilt has played like this 
um, throughout most of his career. I know that um, I was talking to Tyson Barlow a few days ago, and he was saying that anytime the the Lakers played the Wolves, he's a big Russ fan. And anytime the Lakers played the Wolves, like Vanderbilt was always the one that that gave Russ the hardest time, which is interesting. And and so apparently, you know, this isn't anything new for him, but it's new for me, and that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, I just love the team. I love this team, and it's this. Here's a fun thought. Thought. Where or is there anyone on the floor, or like when you you see him on the court, you're just kind of like whatever. <laughs> it's funny because this is where like where last year, or the previous year, like there's I feel like there's always been there's always been like three or four guys just think, man, I just really I'm just ready to be done with this player. Um, yeah. and maybe that's just because they overstayed their welcome. But this year, I think if I had to pick one. Uh, I, I would have to say THT. THT is the one player that just makes me like, it's just, I don't know. I don't, I don't love the THT experience. He, he, he'll make some good plays and he'll play good defense. I think there's a place for him, but he's, he's not a great shooter and he has zero, zero filter. He's, he's just going to hoist when he can. Yeah. Um, so I don't love the THT experience so far, but it's kind of nitpicking because he doesn't get a ton of minutes and it's, I mean, he hasn't been that bad. Uh, it, it was kind of funny though. Cause I was going through some of uh, some of the, the Laker fan threads on like Reddit and a few things last night and throughout the game, they always were super relieved when THT came in that they, they hate THT. He played there obviously and won a championship really? there, but they, uh, what, Can what you they believe he got him? a video last night? Apparently. What's that? He apparently got a video last night. Oh yeah, they gave him. a tribute. They gave a shout out at the beginning of the of the game. NBA champion Talon Horton Tucker. Crazy. That's where we're, like people like THT are getting videos when he comes back his new team. Yeah, it's crazy. crazy. I know a lot of pl- fans were calling him talentless Horton Tucker. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, and you know, a lot of them said they had you know PTSD with him coming in. Uh, but I don't know. I would say if I had to pick somebody, that would be him. Everybody else. I'm I'm pretty cool with, and it's it's also what makes this team really fun. What about you? Uh, I would agree with you, THT. I'm still like Olenek has been great for us, but I mean he comes in, he's got the crew socks. You can't even see a sock line on him. He's got the crazy hair and the beard, and I'm just like, man, if there is someone who lacks any style of play whatsoever, it's this guy. So he's not necessarily the most exciting guy to watch. Um, he flops around. He's sick. He's won us games, though, so he's not so much on that boat with THT. Um, the thing about THT, too, is, like, he comes in, it almost feels like he, I don't know, he's like a mercenary. Like, he's on the team, but is he on the team? You know? And yeah, kind of like a hired gun, almost. It doesn't yeah. almost seem like he's fully bought in. I, I think he has, but it, you almost get a feeling like he's just yeah. out there for himself. And he's, what, is he 21 years old? Yeah, dude, the oldest looking twenty one aside from Greg Oden and maybe LeBron. He looks forty. It's crazy. Yeah, he's um, a tank. Tank Horton Tucker. Oh, one <laughs> thing I was gonna mention. If if you think of NBA style on a spectrum, yeah. So where obviously the low end is probably not a place you want to be, and you could argue that on the the high, like the the opposite end of the end of of attempted right. style, that's also you might be doing a little too much. Yeah. I could argue that we encapsulate the entire spectrum on our team with Kelly Olynyk being at the very bottom and Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> and even though he's not technically on the team, but he's on a 10-way, whatever, uh, Frank Jackson. 
I haven't seen their, Drake like, Jackson how he dresses. Their style is so ridiculous, and sometimes they can pull off some great fits. Sometimes you just think, oh, you mean just doing a little too much. Game? Uh, where, yeah, yeah. So, oh, so yeah, okay. style going into the game. Style. Of course, on the court, it's harder because you know you're wearing the same uniform or whatever. But you can have right. some, you can still have some some steez as you go about your your business. But obviously, yeah, Olenek has absolutely zero, and Clarkson is dripping with steez in some cases, maybe a little too much. <laughs> Clarkson, fashion icon. Um, yeah. So where like where do players land between the Tim Duncan and the? Have you seen that picture of him with just button up shirt? <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Button up the boxy jeans. button up shirts. <laughs> yes. It was awesome. I'll have to send that to you after. Um, yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, I think we're in agreement there. THT, hot gun, do what you want to do. You're kind of, I don't know, not fun to watch the way you play basketball. So if you listen, if you're a listener, you know, maybe think about passing every once in a while. He's, he's definitely the one guy that I think like, all right, well, if the Jazz like, as, as far as roster moves to really, really tank, like, he might be he might be one of those guys that we brought over that's like oh yeah that makes sense like he's he's a tank move as, but as soon as Danny gives him the keys we'll see if it's our true colors or not exactly exactly um, speaking speak, of so dude, spe- yeah oh speaking my of gosh tank, we're both speaking of you go we're you go, speaking you go, dude you go, you go. no you're, you're technically the host of this podcast oh so my gosh it. if people haven't picked up yet we kind of back and forth who take turns on who stirs the ship um, yeah but I think we're both going in the same place on this. What's the overall tank situation with the other pick? What's going on? What is going on in the league? Why do you think we have the luxury of doing what we're doing? Does it matter if we had the other picks? Would we still be playing this hard? What do you think? So, you know, I think we're at that stage where it's like, okay, we've already almost met half of our projected over under wins. Technically we're a third of the way there. Uh, I, you know, it was 20, I think it was 23 before the game, before the season started. We have seven. Um, so it's like, I, I, so obviously we're not, we're going to win games. We're too good. Hardy's too good. We've talked about it. We've established that. And it's interesting because I feel like a lot of jazz fans or casual fans, um, I, there was a lot, a lot less of them were actually on board with all out tanking than maybe like our friend group and people we talked to. Like we were, you, it sounded, it seemed like we were pretty all in on just being really, really bad and, and just kind of sucking it up and dealing with it so we could come out the other end with uh, a bunch of great lottery picks. But it doesn't seem like that was actually the case with a lot of people. Um, and I think, I think the tank is essentially over. There's no way at this point, there's no way unless we have a catastrophic injury, I'm knocking on wood right now. Can you hear me knocking on wood? If we have a catastrophic injury, um, that could obviously change everything, but there's no way at this point, that Danny is going to start trading away our guys because they're too good. Um, There's no, no chance. So I think we can probably say that, I mean, I'm not going to say that the tank is over, but I think we should probably raise our expectations a little bit and look at other ways to other more likely outcomes to building this team into something that can contend. Rebrand the tank as a rebuild. Because yeah, here, a reconstruction. A, yeah, rebuild, reconstruction. We can still win games while we're rebuilding, right? It's uh, The biggest thing is culture change. We're trying to change the culture, right? We're trying to be back to having fun and playing hard. Uh, interesting enough, 538 has updated us to a full-on 74% chance of making the playoffs. That sounds kind of not tanky. 
if you ask me. That's insane. That's not tanky at all. And, you know, if, if you look at the – even still, so the odds for, for the number one pick, again, we, we, I think we talked about this last time, but even if we were the worst team in the NBA, we'd have a 14% chance at getting the number one pick. And I, I just don't think it's worth it. If that was going to happen just naturally, being you know one of the worst teams based on our roster – that's great, but there's no there's no reason with the talent that we have right now to go bust it all down, given how many draft picks we have at this point. Um, I think I saw so I saw something yesterday. I'm gonna pull it back up um, because even given where we are right now with uh, with our pick situation, we get the worst, so the least good or <laughs> thank you. I, how, how do you even put this? The in terms of draft pick order the pick that'll be latest in the see i have a beef with this can i this is an aside so when people want high draft picks the term high draft pick we think is high oh the number one pick that is a high pick yeah when in reality number is higher a number is higher so we want technically speaking we want a low draft pick i don't know i don't know i don't know where where we can go with that but i will say this well here's the thing when you're playing a guitar berg do you go up to the 12th fret or down to the first fret or up to the first fret down to the – what am I saying? I always go up to 12, down to 1. I've heard people do it the other way, though, up to 1, down to 12. I don't know. I don't know. We're just getting weird. We're just – we're getting I'm, – I'm derailing the conversation. And in the history books when, when uh, pirates and uh, Vikings would raise cities, raising a city is actually burning it down to the ground. So – Dude, whoa. Um, anyway, yeah. Tell us what I was getting situation. at is we get the least favorable draft pick out of Houston, Brooklyn, and Philly. Houston is going to be probably the first overall pick. They suck ball. Houston, so Houston will more than likely have the worst record, so it probably won't be theirs. But then we've got Brooklyn and Philly, and we need to take a couple minutes to speak Let's about them. Let's talk about those in a minute. But also, yes. I just want to say we do have Minnesota's pick as well. And they're not Bingo. looking too good. They're not looking too good. Will they probably make the playoffs? Yeah. Are they going to be a top home court seed? I don't think so. So that pick will be a little bit better than we think. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Go on. No, 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 you're right. So so I guess what I'm thinking is is we're going to have two potentially, potentially top 10 picks if things go our way without even our pick, not even including our pick. And so, you know, we're, we're already – we're already in the Wemby sweepstakes potentially, maybe not the most like not not the highest probability sweepstakes, but we're still our, our name is still in the mix in a really deep draft. So there's there's things that can be had, uh, great players that can be had, and while we're like actually trying to win and not breaking our team down even further. Right. So of that le- those least favorable picks, we know Houston sucks. They're not going to win games just because they can't win games i'm gonna go into philadelphia because the next one is a lot to unpack harden's hurt up to six weeks potentially they're not going to get him back till maybe they hold him off till after christmas yeah maybe maybe new year honestly or maybe he comes back for the christmas day game right and that's assuming that i mean a six-week timetable they, they give these timetables based on like average the, the average length of time it takes for an NBA player to heal, an averagely healthy NBA player to heal. And 
I think, I think we can all agree that Harden isn't someone who's prioritizing his sleep and recovery, um, <laughs> at least historically hasn't been. And so if eating, uh, and drinking and, uh, partaking in various late night activities, uh, is, is going to go towards healing him then yeah, he, he'll be healed next week. But yeah. in fact, they're probably taking him in the opposite direction. So who knows? We might not see hard until January. So here's the thing. They're four and six right now. They've lost their last two without him. He was playing pretty good. Um, personally, I think if anything goes down or they keep losing games, Doc's going to be out. Doc is on the hot seat. There's no way he's not at this point. Right. Disgruntled. Um, and Bede's getting more and more disgruntled every day, saying, yep. I go again, yep. trying to have to carry this whole team. His body is questionable. He's done well the last few years, but the usage rate and the load he's going to have to carry this team if they truly want to make a push to the playoffs, he might be a little more fragile than we think. He might get hurt. Doc might be out. That pick might be better than we think it's going to be, right? Yeah, I mean, if you, if you look up robust and uh, I would say physically robust in the dictionary, there's a few names you might see there, but Joel Embiid's is not one that you're going to see. Um, I think there, there's a real real probability he can go the other way. And, and any team with, with Harden is kind of a wild card, right? I mean, right. he could just if, – if things aren't going well and he's feeling better, he could just quit. You know, I mean, he just say, ah, well, I want to go somewhere else or whatever. So they're, they're definitely a wild card and, and could see things going the other way because the East is pretty competitive. It's really competitive this year. And so, yeah, it's one of those, one of those things where I, I think they could, they could definitely end up helping us out from a pick situation. Okay. So and then the biggest time bomb of them all. All of them. The lovely Brooklyn Nets. Cole, peel back this onion. Let's get to the middle of this thing. So, dude, I don't know where to start. I mean, I mean, clearly, I think you have to, you have to start with Kyrie. I think it all – any – any troubles uh, that you can think about with the Brooklyn Nets? I mean, you know, roster composition, say what you will, but Kyrie is – at this point, it's pretty clear, like, the dude is a plague. I mean, he he is a great dribbler. There's arguably – I mean, he's probably one of the best finishers around the rim that the league has ever seen, and he hit a really important shot five or six years ago to, to win the NBA Finals for the Cavs. But aside from that, man – He's, he's just the worst. There's no, no other way to put it that no, I, I can't imagine anybody would ever like playing with this guy. It's weird. Cause the young guys, see, I, I don't want to like go into the whole, like, why is no one calling out um, Kyrie? It seems like actually just earlier this morning or late last night, it was LeBron of all people who have strongest, had the strongest come out and say like what he did was wrong. Um, but like, it's really weird that the younger players, especially in the league, look up to the guy because he's an idiot. He's straight up an idiot. He sucks. I'm so sick of like, I can't get on Twitter or Reddit or anything right now without every freaking headline being about Kyrie in this whole situation. I'm so sick of it. I'm happy he's suspended. Whatever needs to be done needs to be done. I'm assuming he's done as a net at this point. Sounds like the owner's pissed off. Like they gave him all the reasons and opportunity to have a discussion. He kept blowing him off. He's suspended now without pay. Doesn't sound like, I mean, he did the whole, I'm not getting vaccinated thing played 10 games that season. Like he has, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but he's definitely 
played a lot less games than he sat for the Nets. It's just a waste for them. So that Dude, whole situation's done. Just a distraction. And for anybody that doesn't fully know what's going on, like, I mean, I think ESPN has done a pretty good job at reporting the things he said. But if you just go on and watch the six-minute uh, interview he had with Nick Friedel, um, it's I've said this before, but literally it's he's got like a random or Kyrie's got like a random word generator next to him. He's just like pushing buttons yeah. and it's just spitting out words that could contradict, could whatever. And then if you go to his Twitter account, the nice thing is, is in such a polarized society and polarized country, I mean, it's pretty unanimous that what, what Kyrie's been up to recently is, is I mean, there isn't a whole lot of debating. Um, now, I, I mean, everybody is pretty much on board with the fact that he's a complete idiot and not even and obviously obviously there's no question that what he posted what he promoted um and i haven't i haven't watched the documentary or whatever but it's completely out of line but the fact that he he promoted so he he posted a link to some anti-semitic video and posted it to his twitter where he's got what 2.6 million followers and then he was asked about it and he's like he's like uh just because i put something on twitter doesn't mean i'm promoting it and he said something about like he has like a dictionary next to him and he, he understands like the English language better than most or something. I read and, the Oxford and, dictionary. <laughs> yep. And all you do if what literally the definition of promotion is using some sort of platform to accelerate the spread of information. I, I'm, I don't I don't know what the exact definition is, but when that comes to my mind, it's making using your platform to raise awareness about a certain subject and. Literally what he did is promoting – he's giving ideas a platform. That's literally what he's doing, and that's the kind of stuff that pisses – I mean obviously, I mean the, the, the anti-Semitic information, like that is obviously out of, out of question, out of line, completely out of line. But the, to, to have the audacity to think that he's just thinking above – like he's just an, more of an elite thinker than everyone else is frustrating beyond all belief. That's the thing is he – I don't know how much of this is like hubris or narcissism versus like all of it truly believing that like what he, he probably is like, yeah, that was messed up what I did, but I don't want people to think like, hear me admit I was wrong. That's what I feel like it's coming down to either that or he just straight up, you know, thinks that Jewish people essentially did. I don't even want to say the things that are promoted in that video essentially blaming the Jewish people for a lot of things, um, specifically Jewish people. Um, he either really thinks that or he's just too freaking prideful to admit that he did something wrong or he's an idiot and he won't admit that. So it's just literally just <laughs> tearing this, the threads of the NBA apart. Um, also going to criticize Adam Silver through this whole thing. He hasn't really said much or taken like that much of a stance, like, can't have it both ways man we can't promote like one social justice and then completely turn a blind eye to another like it's all or nothing when it comes to that so make yourself be genuine right now league and you know someone people need to start standing up there is actually one jewish player in the nba right now um i'm sure he feels like crap so is that is that denny uh i can't remember his name I think Denny Abija on the, yeah, I know yes, he's from that's Israel. It. That's it. So that's exactly it. Um, um, anyway. Yeah. And then Kyrie's gone. The Nets are just in, it, it's an absolute mess. Nash is gone. Katie's Nash there. is probably, honestly, that was probably the best thing that could ever oh, yeah. happen to Nash. Is he's like, he had a winning record with the Nets. That's what's crazy. And By it's just that a disaster bit. of a team. 
Like, good for him. Sorry to cut you off, but yeah, Nash is gone. So what does that do with KD? So yesterday, um, I was I was thinking about it and uh, you know, listening to some podcasts and whatever, and thinking like KD before the season even started said that he would like to be traded. He requested a trade, and for a period of I think it was probably close to four or five weeks, um, the Nets were you know actively listening to offers, and ultimately you know the, a, tra- a deal didn't get done. Whether that was because the asking price was too high, the Nets were asking for too much, or who, who, who knows what, why those things fell through, but ultimately KD said, you know what, I'm going to give this a shot. Like I'm, I'm here to win a championship in Brooklyn. I'm ready to work with Steve. I'm ready to work with Kyrie and the rest of the team. Like, let's get this done. And that was his attitude. Then he was already kind of on the verge of wanting to leave. And now with all of this, I mean, is, is, is there a world where Kyrie literally gets dropped by the nets? Because I mean, he won't even respond to text messages from his owner. Um, you know, is this a point where, where things are completely done in Brooklyn and, and KD is, uh, or not KD, but Sean Marks, the GM, and, and Joe Sy, the owner, are looking to push a complete reset button? Could be. So, so that's where the, the question comes, dude. Right. In, in a world where that's actually the case, is there, is there some instance where our, our beloved Danny Ainge is picking up the phone and calling over to the Nets saying, hey, I know KD – looking to leave you guys are looking to reset the best way to reset is with a bunch of good draft picks what do you say we throw in uh you know some of the loot that we got from the um from the go bear trade as well as the uh the donovan trade you get a crap load of picks and tht and uh <laughs> and and we'll we'll, uh, we'll take kd off your hands what do you say what do you think dude well if i'm the jazz obviously i'm doing that i think there's got to be it's got it's going to be blockbuster blockbuster like every pick that we picked up is probably out the door big sands maybe two we'll probably keep two of them i don't know like and players but the thing is if they're going to completely hit the reset button picks mean more than players right yeah and i don't know i i don't know what we have to do salary wise i'm Um, sure mike and jc are probably in that trade to match salaries there's you no, think you can't do th just tht obviously because there's no way he's getting anywhere near what Kevin Durant's getting. And Conley, I mean Conley, what's what's Conley at right now? Is is he still forty? No, he's down in the twenties. Is he? I think so. <sighs> I would look it up, but my um, Chrome just crashed. So shout out Google. Shout out. Shout out Google. Google. I can look it up on the old Spo track, but is so. What do you think if if we were to trade? Literally all the picks that we got from uh, from Minnesota, plus JC, or we no, have we'll to say plus that. Mike. Because this year, this year, because there's so much chaos going on, I think all paths go through Milwaukee at some point. No, yeah, I think I think that that the Bucks are the team to beat. Like they're they're at this point the best team in the league, hands down. And of course, he's not going to be able. To, they can't beat them with with that team they currently have. But if you have a guy like Vanderbilt, Markinen, and KD that you can throw at the Bucks, and you've got KD on your team. Like, think about the West right now. First of all, before oh, we yeah. even get to the East, like, I mean, Golden State looks fragile. The Suns feel like they're just a, a piece of drama from running into issues. I mean, Portland has played really great, but is it sustainable? You probably asked the same thing about the Jazz. Um, the Clippers seem super vulnerable. The Nuggets, we kind of own them anyway. Um, I mean, the West 
could be more wide open than, than maybe we initially thought. Um, just due to weakness from the Lakers, the Clippers, and the, the Warriors. Yeah, I just don't think the West is as good, as funny as it sounds, at least on the top end, it's not as good as the East. Yeah, I don't think so. So, um, so yeah. all right, getting Kevin Durant, we feel like that puts us in contention automatically to Western Conference Finals, and then does it put us automatically into a finals discussion? Depends on what the roster looks like and what players we have to get rid of with it, but... How much do we, you know, if Mike Conley's involved in that trade, if Jordan Clarkson's in cl- included in that trade, how much do we trust the next man up in that situation? And then yeah, I mean, it comes that. down to Sexton. Um, and maybe maybe we trade Sexton instead, because I don't know what, what value, like, a Jordan, I mean, for a, a rebuilding team, maybe you think that, that Sexton is even more valuable than somebody like Clarkson. Because um, yeah. salary-wise, they're, they're pretty close to the same. Sexton is at $16.5 million. Um, Conley's at twenty two. Um, you know, maybe you trade Beasley. He's a shooting guard. He's at 15. We have a bunch, honestly, a bunch of like tradable pieces. THT's at 10. So there's a world where, you know, you trade, you trade Sexton and THT. That's 26. I'm pretty sure you have to, you have to trade 75% of the value of what you're trading for in contract. And so if KD, which I need to find out right now, but of course it, Spotrack is in alphabetical order except for the New Jersey Nets, which randomly are not. Oh, because they're Brooklyn. That's why. I'm That's dummy. why. Yeah, things change. Just just quickly, we're going kind of on the fly here. Kevin Durant's at $44 million. So if we have to trade – I know this makes for great radio. but So we need to trade $33 million in cap space or in, in salaries to be able to trade for Kevin Durant. And I know this is all a pipe dream to begin with, but listeners, bear with us. Basically, what that means is we just have to trade $33 million worth of salary. And if we were to look at, at what that would be, if, even if we wanted to keep our beloved Clarkson and, uh, and Mike, I mean, you trade Beasley and Sexton and you're there, basically. Oh, wow. I'd do that. <laughs> In fact, I mean, you could do THT. I think you, maybe you keep Rudy Gay. I don't know. There, there's a few different ways yeah, to get there. But- You'd have to give them like beyond draft capital. You'd have to give them like some players worth their while too. Yeah, I, potentially, unless they just want to be tankers, and then you just at that point they maybe care they, less. They care more about the contract details. Yeah. But and there's full there, on one Biyama. There's sweep. yeah, essentially, there's a way to get there without gutting our roster and keeping our roster mostly intact. Picking up arguably the well, a top five player in the NBA for sure at this point in Kevin Durant and putting yourself right at the top of uh, championship contending. And that's, this is a pipe dream. I totally get it, but yeah. it feels like there could be a little bit of uh, a little bit of possibility to it. What other team has as many picks as us? It comes down to us, OKC, and maybe the Knicks, like who ha- would have the capital to make something happen, right? And yeah, yeah. And what's scary is, the, so OKC, you could see Kevin Durant wanting, you could see him wanting to go back to OKC to pick up where he left off, but we have more talent. We're, we're a contender this year. And if you, if you move Kevin Durant to OKC, like there's no guarantee they'd even make, I mean, they'd probably make the playoffs cause he's good, but maybe not. I don't know. You know? Yeah. Let's make it happen. Danny, pick up the phone. All I know, I, I appreciate you going through this thought experiment with me. I know it's probably, again, it's probably a, the biggest pipe dream, but, uh, I don't know. There's, there's, there's a way where you can make an argument for it. And there, there sure is. That's kind of fun. Fingers so. crossed. I'm saying Danny, dude, I'll text Danny after this. Just pick up the phone and see what happens.
he's he's already swindled the Nets once. So uh, I don't even know if this would necessarily be a swindle if he wants to leave. I think it's both sides hey. kind of get what they want, you know? Yeah, we can give him that pick back. Yeah, we'll give you that pick back for Kevin Durant. And you know what? Oh, breaking news. Aaron Carter is dead at age 34. Whoa! Did that just happen? <laughs> just right now, dude. Dude, he was in a bad place. I've seen pictures of what he OD probably. Uh, I'm going to guess that that was the case. I know he, he uh, had a little OnlyFans going on that uh, is he probably... Did? Uh, yeah, apparently he did. <laughs> Were you a subscriber? Uh, no, but I, I saw it somewhere. I don't know. I saw like something oh, on good. Twitter or something. Yeah. Good deflection. Dude, uh, I, saw, I saw somewhere, I thought it was this morning, that said that, that Joe Sy was again open to taking calls on Kevin Durant. I saw that on Bleacher Report. Is it from oh. George Sy or is it teams making calls on Kevin Durant again? Yeah, I, I can't remember. I just I just know it was like kind of brought up, but I don't know if uh, I, I don't know. I have to scroll through, but I've already mumbled enough on this podcast to to fill up a whole podcast. So all I know is there's a world where that happens. That's all I'm saying. Oh, rest in peace, Aaron. One of the few, one of the few small white men to beat Shaq. In one of the few. Yep. Maybe this the is only- what you get. That's why you don't mess with Shaq, dude. Maybe. Maybe Aaron Carter and the professor were the only two to score on Shaq. Um, okay, dude. Just real quick, I just want let's just touch base on our our two X stars, um, how they're doing, what's going on with Donovan, what's going on with Rudy. Do want to spend a ton of time on this, but uh, I know that you lean more towards wanting to see Rudy have success. I lean more towards wanting to see Donovan have success. Um, what are your thoughts on how those guys are performing? You know, it sucks that it looks like Minnesota's kind of run into the same issues that we did. Honestly, spacing um, has been an issue. Anthony Edwards has already come out to talk about the fact that he does better when they play smaller and, and feels more comfortable there. So the fact that he's already bringing that up, I think he did that like two or three twice. games into the season. I think he's done it twice. He, he brought it up like it's easier for me when we go small and then people were giving him crap that he doesn't have a dunk yet. And he said, well, I need a running room to get to the lane to dunk it. And it, there's, the yeah. lane's always clogged. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So I, it sucks for Rudy. I mean, he's, he's still generational and he's a generational defender, but I think, you know, it's further potentially a further testament to that. There's probably a ceiling there with how much you can win. Um, granted, you know, they, it's season still early as we know, and there's, there's a way for them to figure it out and the way that cat shoots and, and Anthony Edwards can play with the ball. It's not like they're, they're in big trouble, but yeah, I, I would like to see around. them playing better. They'll turn it around and get into the playoffs. Um, I just, you know, Rudy is what we, at least on this podcast, what you thought. I think Jazz Jazz Nation, the Jazz fans as a whole, might have had some rose-lensed uh, sunglasses with him. Um, his offensive game really is hampering. Uh, but we've always said that. Um, if you're 7-1, you should be able to punish anyone smaller guarding you when you're two feet away from the rim. And he still, he just can't do it. His hands are bad. And then he just doesn't go hard at the rim. Um, I saw a highlight of... I think it was Romeo Langford or somebody six four six five. On um, the it might I don't know who it was, but it was on the Spurs just swatting Rudy. I'm like, yep, it happens from time to time. Um, yeah. But again, it's he has crazy on off numbers, especially on defense. That's still a thing. So whatever is the anomaly that is Rudy Gobert, it seems to have continued. Um, hopefully, he can mesh well with the team and get some wins because I, you know, I want to see Rudy succeed obviously. And then Donovan and the the Cavs are on an absolute tear right now. Um, 
probably one of the top teams in the whole league. They've beaten Boston twice in playoff setting atmospheres. And here, super impressive. Like, and Donovan's like showing up defensively. He's, you know, encouraging this, his teammates. He's clapping. He's really into the games, which for me is more of an indictment on Donovan in his last year and a half as the Jazz because that just means he was apathetic. Yeah. Right? That's and so, hard for me. Right. So it's like, all right. So you had this all along. It kind of sucks that you didn't, you know, you just gave up. So that, in, in terms of like seeing them play, it kind of stings both ways. Like, ah, uh, you know, Rudy is who we thought he was. And damn, Donovan really did quit. So it's like, it kind of sucks, but it also like, you know, we did draft Donovan, took, we traded for him. We, he's kind of our homegrown kid. So to see the league, see what we saw for, you know, three out of those, whatever, five years or whatever we had him for, like, you know, yeah, he was freaking good. We weren't just like blinded by how funny he was to watch. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the hardest thing for me too, is like knowing how much he embraced Utah and being here at the beginning of his career. And then just seeing that star slowly, slowly fade out to where, you know, to a, a culmination against the Mavs in the playoffs where he just literally couldn't, didn't seem like he could have cared less. Like he right. literally could not have cared less. And that, that's frustrating to watch because I mean, I don't know. We embraced him as, and he was, he's by far the coolest, most talented player of, of our like adult generation of jazz fans. I mean, he's probably the coolest player the jazz have ever had. And I wish that if he wanted to go, even if he wanted to go and like we severed ties with him, he could have handled that behind the scenes, but he, I wish he would have played hard through yeah. the end, but you know, it is what it is. And it, it's hard that I could say that I would have done anything different if I was in a situation that I hated, but uh, it would have been cool to see him go out. If he was going to leave or want to leave that he at least would have played hard through the end. But yeah. it's, I mean, his numbers are crazy over 30, oh, 31 points a game, almost five rebounds, seven assists, shooting 40, 44% from three. Like, Dude's on fire. It's crazy to watch. And they just got Garland back, so they're just going to get better. Um, you want to know what's crazy, too? Uh, the, maybe the craziest stat of them all um, is that he was in, in defensive rating. I think he's eighth in the league right now. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, well, best of luck to those guys. More than anything, just don't, you know, we don't want to see you get hurt. So don't get hurt. Go do your thing. But uh, as we say in our texts all the time, we're all aboard the Will Hardy hype train, and that's in the rear view. On to bigger and greater things. I think it's a crazy situation where um, it's a better turnout for Donovan. It's a better turnout for the Jazz. It's a better turnout. I mean, Rudy's probably even, probably even for Rudy, kind of looking like the same situation for him. Similar, um, yeah. Cavs hit a home run on that trade. We swindled the Timberwolves like crazy. Uh, they gave up a lot for that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's in the rear view, and we are looking forward in this new uh, culture build, rebuild, um, which is ironic because, you know, this fun team that we're watching now feels like the Ricky Rubio, like Donovan rookie team. Like 100%, fun, dude. Right? Feels a lot Absolutely the same. So... Now, if we can just find, um, we just need to find a few more pieces to put in there that are our new stars. Sans uh, Lori Markinen or Lori Markinen because he's already there. He is our star. <sighs> Burning so bright in the sky, Colby, the finisher. Um, so yeah, I think I think I'm excited. Um, anything you want to add? No, dude. I mean, 
adding stars like we'll trade for Kevin Durant we'll meet Don in the playoffs in the finals and uh he'll win it he'll he'll see a championship one in Utah but he'll just be on the other side prayers up to me surviving the Colby Berg trying to manifest the Kevin Durant trade into existence via the two text threads we're in um it's going to happen at least, at least two or three more times. Actually, no. This is no, I said gonna, it. I dude, you're going to do it all the time. It's fine if you do it all the time. I'm not trying to talk you out of doing it, but I'm just no. This is the ride. thing is, I've, I've put it out there. I mean, I'll let this butterfly fly on its own. But the, really, what it comes down to is, if if we hear more rumors about Danny getting involved, yeah, you'll hear me talk about it more. But if not, then uh, I've said what I've said, and 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 you can hear it here first. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Breaking news on the Thoughts Inside Our Head podcast. Um, before we wrap up, Cole. We promised listeners last time we talk House of Dragon or House of the Dragon. Season's wrapped up, season one. Uh, thoughts, concerns. How do you feel about the show? Where's your head? Dude, it was really enjoyable, honestly. And I, the thing is, when it comes to talking about shows and stuff, I feel like I'm, I, I, I'm just so easily entertained that every Sunday night I was just ready to go ready to watch house of dragons and sure like some things maybe didn't flow as great. Other things were um, this and that. And, and I don't know. I think ultimately the way it ended, I thought it was way fun. I thought it was a great, a great kickoff. It seemed like, I mean, we haven't had any dragon battles yet and not that I was watching just for dragon battles, but it seemed like most of the season was kind of leading up to the Something. dance of the dragons between the two houses, the battle. Well, we we the had the kickoff. We had the kickoff on the we last few minutes. We had the kickoff. Right. Um, I would agree. I think this season, they're calling it season one. I'm calling it season zero in my head. Feels like yeah. almost like a prologue to like, okay, instead of doing awkward flashbacks, let's build the tension for a whole season, um, lay out the land, get to know the characters, understand why what happened happened. Um, and... I know I don't I haven't read the um book that the Dance of the Dragons is in. I think it's called like Fire and Blood, maybe. I can't remember. Um that might be the last one of the Game of Thrones. Either way, I have before the show even came out when I was just nerding out all the time in between seasons of Game of Thrones. Um there's a few guys who do like, well, here's other uh Westeros stories and there's like a Blackfire Rebellion, there was the Dance of Dragons. So I actually watched that video and kind of have an understanding of where this is going. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for for dragon battles, Berg, strap in, baby. Because we I know are coming, gonna dude. have some battles. It's crazy. We were talking about this. In the show, yeah, it's one thing having people on your side in terms of armies that they're talking about. The Greens seem to have more of the the bigger houses um, and being on their side. But Damon's just like, doesn't matter. We have more dragons. We have the dragons. And he's trying to recruit dragons. But people are going to slowly find out that having nuclear weapons that are sentient might not be a good thing. Might not be a good thing. It might not be. And the way that thing ended, first of all, yeah, Damon and and, uh, the Targaryens might have more dragons. Well, not the Targaryens. I guess we shouldn't even say that. We'll call it. Yeah, Team Black. They they have. They definitely have more dragons, but that freaking Leviathan of a dragon, literally the size of the sun. Yeah. That uh, and spoiler alert that that takes out uh, Jaceris and his dragon. Uh, It's not Jaceris. Jaceris is the older one. It's um Luceris. Luke. They call him Luke. Okay, my bad. Jace is still alive. Luke is Dunzo. 
the the Luke um, massacre at the very end, where <laughs> literally, I mean, Scruff McGruff, take Amon's dragon. What, what's Amon's dragon's name? It's it's a pretty cool name, right? Amen? It's like Varaxes or like something with a bunch of like V's and X's. Which one's Amon? Amon is the one that that. Oh yeah, yeah. Amon the one. Because Aegon, Aegon yeah. doesn't want the crown. He's the oldest brother. Amon, right. who Aemon you think the, is the older brother? Yeah, Amon, uh, essentially like Damon 2.0. Uh, it's Rhaegar. Okay, his, it is Rhaegar. Yeah, his dragon's name is Rhaegar, which was written by. There's some lore for everybody. There's a lot of lore in Game of Thrones. Um, There's a lot of Rhaegars and Aegons and right. lore. So Rhaegar was written by Damon's wife that died in childbirth. And then it was a free dragon, right? That's Lena, right. That's right. Name, yep. Lady Lena. She couldn't get the baby out and she wanted to drag, you know, it was a really sad scene. Dracars, 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 fire lights are up. Scenes, and then the night that um, Aemond loses his eye, he gets Rhaegar. Rhaegar is one of the original dragons that came over with um, Aegon the Conqueror, the first Targaryen to take over Westeros. Rhaegar was one of his sister wives, because for whatever reason, we think it's gross when the Lannisters are um, incestual, but with Targaryens, we're cool with it. Um, Anyway, we're not, but yeah, (laughs) the fans, it doesn't get the criticism, the fans as a whole. so one of the original dragons that came over and fought and helped take over Westeros is actually Rhaegar. So that old, she's old. She's old, you can tell. Um, very old, blind, almost looking dragon, but massive. That shot where um, little Luke is riding on Eric's or whatever his dragon's name was, and it just came over the top of him in complete silence. It's just like, oh my gosh, this is insane. Dude, that, that scene... I actually, I've only, I only watched it once that when I saw it live or not live, but the first time I feel like I need to go back, but that was like the sense of like dread and awe that you have as, as Rhaegar like approaches from like above. And even, even initially when he land, like when, um, when Luke landed to talk to the Lannisters and try and get him on their side and like he lands and even before that Lacey was like, Oh, he's screwed. Like he's so young. She shouldn't send him. Turned into a horror movie. And then he lands, and then Rhaegar just, like, looks over the castle. Crazy. Just lifts his head, looks over the castle, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. That, 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 this is a wrap. And, and we then, know who it is. The man that's like, okay, yep. the dragon's scary, but the freaking sign's just as scary for this kid. 100%. 100%. So he comes back out, and then, yeah, and then we, you think he gets away. You think it's going to end, like, potentially happy. He's, like, maneuvering in the canyons, and Rhaegar's too right. big to even get into the canyon. You think he's going to survive, and then... Obviously, they are sentient. They they have right. minds of their own, and he wanted to attack little little dragon. Wanted to attack big dragon. He's feeling spunky and uh, paid bad, for it. Bad, bad idea. Which is actually a, I think a difference in the book. Um, they call that situation. I think it's called the bat the battle over broken ship bay or something or broke ship bay. Um, the kickoff of the dance of dragons. I think in the book, I think just straight up, um, Aemon just kills him. But oh really? I think so. But they're kind of making it look like, just like almost any conflict, really, just like things get out of hand. They lost control, a misunderstanding, whatever it may be. There's been a few like rewrites in this that have made certain people look not as bad in more of like a gray like situation of like okay, like yeah, um, Allison thinks that Viserys was talking about her kid to be king on his deathbed. Okay, that makes more sense. It wasn't the full, like, green takeover. Or, right. 
or um, Rhaenyra in the book, they just straight up kill her husband, um, Lainor. As opposed to sending him across the sea. And like faking his death. Right. So they're making the people less like bloodthirsty and just like greed over like sometimes conflicts happen with just complete misunderstandings. And if you can get these two women, if you can get Alicent and Rhaenyra in a room and have a conversation, none of this would happen. Right. Which did that, that conversation did occur until Viserys deathbed. Like, and that just basically that, that scene wiped everything else away. But even Aemon, who you think is like kind of, you don't really think he's a bad guy necessarily. And in, in a sense, you can kind of side with him because it's like, all right, it's pretty clear that um, that Rhaenyra's kids are obviously not um, yeah. Valerian, Valerion. Yeah. And so it's like, there's, you could say like, there's a pretty good argument that like, he's right. pretty, he's pretty bugged and like, you know? And so, right. and the fact his older brother doesn't want to be king anyway, he's like, well, someone's got to step up and act like Kingsley. And I'm the only one that has the blood and the desire to do it. Right. And like someone, they need their, their, they need their daemon for it to be equal on each side because they need their crazy wild card. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Best fighter. Each side needs one of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. And even if, even it looked like Eamon when, when uh, Rhaegar, I mean, basically just obliterated Luke, um, you could see the look in his eyes like Eamon was like, I didn't really yeah, necessarily did mean, mean for that. that to happen. I know. And it's going to be interesting to see where they take it. Um is he going to go and say, I didn't mean to do this? Or is he just going to say, you know what? It happened. Whatever happened, happened. Like, we can't cry about it. Because I could see him doing it both ways. Um, I mean, and let's be honest. Like, the strong, quote-unquote, well, Rhaenyra's bastard sons, they teased him a lot. They did the pig thing before he didn't have a dragon. They brought the pig out at dinner. And little Luke was laughing at him then, like, it's not like they were complete just, hey, we're the good kids, you're the bad kids. Like, you know, the teasing and bullying went both ways. It's true. Yeah, I, I do like the fact that I, I think most viewers, at least naturally, I think our tendency, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, our tendency is to, for whatever reason, like side with Team Black a little bit. And, but if you if you really do look from the green side's perspective, like there's definitely some validity to their attitudes and maybe the way they've gone about some things hasn't been awesome, but also some of the way the way that Team Black has gone about some things also hasn't been, you know, completely uh, completely clean. So there's, for whatever reason, we have the natural tendency to side towards the Targaryen side of things or Team Black side of things, but um, you know, no one. It's all it's a lot of gray. So it's it's made it really fun, honestly. Yeah, and unfortunately, just like any other show, for whatever whatever reason. It's going to be like a year and a half before we see it again. So great. Do you, yeah. Do you know how many seasons there's supposed to be? I, th- I think they said four. I think. <laughs> I think they said they needed four seasons to tell the whole story. So um, another thing too, like I know there was criticism on the, and I'm somewhat in this corner on the time jumps. Um, the only thing I felt like we missed out on, I guess if they dragged this out to like seven seasons, they could have done this. Um, but like, as soon as Viserys is dead, Otto Hightower is like, all right, let's get our plan in place. It would have been fun to see the politicking behind him getting that plan in place, the promises yeah. he made to like the Lannisters, the promises that he made to um, – what's that freak's name? Um, the, sh- Laris- the, old, the oldest strong. 
Yeah, the remaining strong, the one with the basically little finger two point yeah. or the pre quill the little finger. Yeah, exactly. Um, all that would have been great um, to see, but I think for the sake of you know the actual Dance of Dragons, I think takes two years. Let's get to that point and move on. Um, this is I agree with you too, and that's what's annoying because I feel like. They can basically – it seems like they can write their own checks. Like they are not going to lose viewership. Viewership is – these are good yeah. story writers. Like let's just like tell the full story and, and have enough episodes to fully encapsulate that because I don't think anybody was happy that, oh, nice, it's finally over. Like everybody could have done with a, like a 10-episode season, you know? Oh, yeah. That was 100%. Like in Game of Thrones, that was the showrunners. They wanted – they were done. They're like – yeah. Well, what's funny is they got what they got was a trilogy of Star Wars films, and like, okay, we're done. Let's like wrap this up as fast as we can and just like make it crappy. And it was so bad that they lost the Star Wars trilogy over it, which is kind of ironic. No uh, way! I, I didn't know that. I believe that's what happened. Um, season two, we're gonna see a lot of new faces. We're gonna see a Stark, a really cool Stark, Kriegan Stark. Everyone get hyped for that. get hyped for just dragon battles. Um, in between then. Whatever shows you're gonna watch for me, Succession comes out soon. Shout out Succession. Um, anything you're you've turned yourself into a little TV watcher slash movie watcher. Anything you're looking forward to? Dude, I don't know. Yeah, I always go through these like periods where I'm like, I don't know what we're gonna watch. But the thing is, in my old life, like I didn't watch that much TV, so I just go to sleep, you know. And now we need to have that on from nine to ten, which I do appreciate. It's fun to watch shows, yeah. especially with somebody. So, um. I don't, I don't know what it's going to be, man. I think Succession has been on the radar, so I think we'll probably end up watching that. Ozark has been on the radar, so I'm sure we'll end up watching that. Um, I don't know. We and Lacey and and I, I mean mostly Lacey, but she's she's really enjoyed the Love Island in it, and so uh, and it, Love Love Island UK, and so I'll, I'll tune in for some of that. And when we don't have anything to watch, we'll kind of put that on and just like well, it something. The thing about Love Island is. Um, it's a, it's a marathon. There's like 80 episodes. Oh, I know. And that's, what's kind of nice. Cause it's a good filler. Yeah. <laughs> so. for sure. Okay. Yeah, dude. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. we talked a lot. It was good to catch up. Um, we're all in on the, let's, let's make it, let's make this happen. Will Hardy. Let's get on the hype train. We're going to go all the way. Let's trade for Kevin Durant. Make it happen. Pick up the phone, Danny. Anything you want to add here at the end? No, dude, we're off the tank, off the tank. Onto the train. Hype train. Let's go. Back on it. Only took 10 games. Let's go. So, dude, it was fun. Yep. We'll do this. We're going to do this more frequently, everybody. So, stay posted. Stay posted, gang. Peace. Peace.